Hey, today we've got something really cool that y'all are going to get to be part of. Uh, y'all are going to get to hear from one of the great leaders that God has used in our church in years past. Uh, we get to hear from Chris Stahl today. Chris, yeah, some of you are already going, woo. Uh, Chris served as executive pastor of our church for 10 years, uh, from 2014, uh, four to 2013. Yes getting that right he's with Brenna right here with her her family's been with us today also which is awesome Chris and Brenna God has used y'all in amazing ways in so many people's lives in our church but not just in our church in our community I, I get to bump into people all the time who will share that God used you to impact their lives I continue to point back I've quoted Chris when he came to my house five years ago we had you uh, teach my first fall here five years ago he came over to my house and shared he's just a gifted leader Jeff Warren uh, who we'll get to hear from last week texted me this morning that Chris Stoll is one of the most gifted Christian leaders he's ever served with and God used them to help lead our church through a season of fruit and I can't wait for you to hear the gospel through his life this morning This morning we have one of our former students who just graduated, Cody Green, and he's going to come and share his testimony this morning. So let's welcome Cody Green up here. Good morning, church. As Justin said, my name is Cody, and I just graduated from the youth group, so Grant kicked me out because I got old. And... And I just, I want to share with you guys, and I've been very blessed to get this, this privilege to share with you what Jesus has done in my life and how God has transformed me. And I want to start just by saying, I mean, we all seek satisfaction in life, and everybody defines us in different ways. And for me, this was, you know, this was the f entire full point of my existence. I wanted to be satisfied with who I was, what I was doing. And for me, the way I define this was by achieving my standards and my standards were to be perfect pretty much in all things you know this, I applied this to school to sports to relationships like every social interaction I ever had with anybody I would give myself a grade practically on how close I got to being the way I wanted to be and I never no matter what I could do I could never achieve these standards I set for myself and I could not be satisfied I could not be happy with who I was. I couldn't live my life feeling fulfilled. And this made me feel so alone. This made me feel so frustrated and upset. I didn't know how I was supposed to go about this life if I couldn't even be happy with who I was or from the smallest thing to saying hi to somebody. Every little thing, the way my voice sounds, the way I walk, everything, nothing was good enough. I could never be happy with truly where I am in the world. And it's pushed me to seek all forms to try and get this satisfaction. I did lots of things to, I self-indulged myself in many ways. I would lie to people, to my closest friends, to my family, to fit this story that I wanted, to control everything I possibly could so I could have some you know, facet of control so that I could be satisfied by reaching these standards. And this pushed away the people that I was closest to, the people that truly loved me because I was not loving them. 
everything I did, I did it for myself and for my own satisfaction. And I remember there's so many nights where no matter how much I did or how many things I thought would bring me satisfaction that I chased throughout that day, every night I would go back home and I would just feel more alone and more empty and more unsatisfied than I ever had. There's one night in my garage, I was leaning against my refrigerator because that's a great place to go when you're sad. I was sitting there and it was more than just a feeling of being alone. It was a feeling of having nothing. I had nothing I could hold on to because in my eyes, I had nothing that I could be happy about, nothing that could give me this satisfaction I sought after so much. And it wasn't until May 2021, my friend Logan Anderson invited me to Extreme Camp, which is a youth event where we go to the middle of nowhere because it's in Oklahoma and we uh, get to really get connected with God because we distance ourselves from all distractions. And I always viewed the church, I saw how happy people were and I saw how much love they had, but I viewed that as something that I can never achieve. I viewed myself as unforgivable because I couldn't live to any standard I set. I didn't think I belonged there. I didn't think I could ever fit in. And throughout almost the entirety of Extreme Camp, I used this mindset to push me away from God and tune out every message that was ever said. But it was that very last day, the worship band was singing a song and a quarter of it just it struck my heart in such a deep manner. It says, God, you are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. And this made me start to think. And God used this little tidbit of curiosity to do amazing things. So I was like, what can be worthy of every single person's utter devotion? This caused me to ask questions, which led me to talk to a man named Grayson, who was the associate youth pastor at the time. And when I was talking to Grayson, God poured on my heart to open up and tell him everything. I had told you, I said lies. I created these entire stories. I was essentially living a fake life because I wanted it to be one that I was happy with. I wanted it to be one that I had control of every aspect. And when I was talking to Grayson, God poured on my heart to tell him everything, and I did that. And this was my worst fear. I told him every lie I had said, every sin I had done, and I had expected to be hated and mistreated and looked viewed as a monster. But when I looked up at Grayson's face with tears in my eyes, all I saw was this genuine, authentic love. And this blew my mind. He looked at me and he told me that I was forgiven, not because of what I do or not because of what he can do or anybody can do, but because of what Jesus has done. This blew my mind. I had no idea this was even possible. And immediately I wanted to seek more. And I gave my life to Christ that day. And ever since that moment... Life has not been a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but there's one thing that I could tell you that I know with every ounce of my being is different, is that no matter where I am now, I finally have that satisfaction. And I have goals, I have ambitions, but I know that no matter where I go, no matter if I achieve them, if I achieve none of them, I live happy and rejuvenated because I'm living for something that is so far beyond this world, it's beyond anything we can even conceive of, it's beyond any standard we set. And the greatest thing about it is we don't even have to achieve that standard because he does it for us. And having this peace and this resolution, it's taught me so many things, but 
over, more so than anything else, it's taught me how to finally accept where I am and live a life that's fulfilled, not because I'm special or because I did anything to deserve this, but simply because Jesus revealed himself to me and Jesus has entered my heart and he has transformed my life. This is the glory of God at work. And I want to say if anybody here feels this calling, they feel that God is saying something to them and they feel like they are unforgivable, that they can't get satisfaction and they don't know where to go, please reach out to anybody at this church because God is always here for you. And it doesn't matter if you do it today or if you do it 50 years from today, he'll be the same God that loves you to the same amount that's beyond imagination. Let's pray together. God, enter the heart of every person here today, Lord. Holy Spirit, open our ears to you, God. Turn out the thoughts that we have and turn up the thoughts that you put in us. God, I pray for Chris that every word he says, you would speak for him. And that with every breath he takes, it is your breath he's breathing. Lord, just fill us all with your love and remind us of your glory in even the darkest moments we have. Amen. I'm Jim Anderson. I am Courtney Willis. Hi, my name is Caitlin Chavis. I am Nancy Retton Malone. Um, my name is Mike Malone. I've been coming to First McKinney ever since I was born. I was on the cradle roll. I was birthed into this church in the early 1950s. Back then, a cradle roll was when you were born, they put you on the cradle roll, and so that's, I've been here ever since. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Larkin, and I started attending First McKinney when I was in seventh grade. I started going to First McKinney in fifth grade. Been coming here my whole life, as long as I can remember. I started going to church here in December of 1966, when I joined. I got married in this church, I grew up here, and now I'm raising my children here. My fondest early, early memories were just the, the volunteers, the teachers, typically the ladies that influenced us. My very first day into church, I walked upstairs behind the baptistry. That's where they used to have the junior high youth group. They would teach us Bible stories and they would put the Bible, the, the characters up on the, up on the what felt board and with animals and everything. I remember choir as a child sneaking into the choir room and singing in the microphones when no one was around. The youth group was awesome. I got to have go on many mission trips. Uh, the big, the biggest impact probably in, in our eyes, we got to run around in the in the old church. Uh, there was a little tiny playground, and of course the RAs would sit in there and do our work. I grew up in First McKinney, and it filled in so many gaps in my life. My parents brought me here so that I could be taught about Jesus. I feel like this church has always been really good at making youth kind of the forefront and care about them and um, invest in them. The, the youth ministry has been tremendous since uh, even the days when I was in the youth ministry. It's always been an emphasis of this church. I'd say the ministries, especially the children's ministry, have really molded and impacted my life because I've grown up through the ministry and then I went back and I interned for two years and I'm still teaching there and they've just taught me what it means to be a Christian. I am so relieved by the fact that my kids come here. I can see firsthand that they're being fed the same thing that I was fed, that they're being loved on the same way I was loved on. And I can see how God's using their time in First McKinney to mold and shape them for their future, whatever that might look like.
My message to the next generation is to keep Christ the center of your life. Communicating uh, the gospel in different ways, just to friends, neighbors, family, that's important that we pass it on. My hope is that they can also just become solid in their um, foundation with their relationship with Christ, just through people, their friendships that are with them, uh, people that could disciple them. If it weren't for First McKinney, we never would have ended up in Uganda, and God never would have started the ministry that He started in us. Um, we not only were led to our son there, but that's where he created and, and grew Mission Regan to begin. So it's crazy to me to think about what he has created out of the missions of this church. Moved to Phoenix, Arizona to be the director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I had spent 17 days in the Soviet Union and Russia, Moscow, and uh, this was in July of 91. Ten days later, we were in Phoenix. Uh, Yeltsin overtook Gorbachev, perestroika occurred, and the Soviet Union broke up. That was the history and time at the, at the period. I remember driving through lots of desert, and we reached the border, and the very first college was Northern, Univer Northern Arizona University. So I stopped in Flagstaff, and I do what I was trained to do. I went in and started talking to coaches. I asked them, hey, we're here to serve you and uh, may the gospel go forth in your life. And we want to use your influence and that of athletes. And would you be interested in being involved? And so our call to ministry began. That was 31 years ago. Within a few months, we met some of the dearest friends of our life, Rob and Angie Bauscher. We raised our kids together. It's been a joy of ours and a privilege to have friends so dear. We joined a phenomenal church that dreamed of what uh, the future church might be, and we were so blessed. And ultimately, they asked if I would consider being a pastor. God was good. Those first five years, I committed to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, hey, we'll do whatever we can to expand the ministry. And God did some amazing things. We were able to begin to get into junior highs and high schools. And the next thing we knew, we, God called out staff people, and we began to put them in different cities. And then the next thing we knew is all the universities, we had great dynamic programs and these athletes were having great influence and we were invited to do Bible studies with pro teams and man, it was amazing. At the very end of those five years, we hosted a national championship event with the Fiesta Bowl and a year before they had announced Phoenix is going to be the host of the Super Bowl. And I thought, well, I'm naive enough, I'll ask if the Super Bowl will let us do an event a gospel-centered event where athletes could proclaim the gospel. The influence they already have could be seen. And I might as well ask them, hey, would you put us on your schedule of events, the go-to stuff, all these things, these jump zone things, all these athletes, all these things you could do. They would print them on the back of potato chip bags. They'd put them on Coke bottles. They'd put them in every theater. They'd do all that sort of stuff. And I said, would you consider letting the Fellowship of Christian Athletes have a Super Bowl event? And to everyone's shock, they said, yes. And so I remember coming back and saying, we get to do this event. And sure enough, a year's preparation in the last six months, man, I went to so many meetings and I was exhausted and we called people. This was a long time before you had cell phones. And so you had to give them your home phone number. And so people are calling our house and they're saying, hey, I'm planning to come. I'll come sign autographs. I can remember Brenna came out. It was, you know, December. I'm working in my tomato garden because you can grow in the wintertime. And she said, there's somebody on the phone and I have no idea who he is. He said that you've been calling him. I said, well, what's his name? She goes, I can't understand it. 
And I said, well, what's it sound like? She goes, I think he's saying his name is Rocket. And I said, is it Rocket Ishmael? She goes, that's it. And sure enough, he and 31 athletes came, presented the gospel, shared, signed autographs. We hosted this event. Three to 4,000 people came. It was awesome. It was, it was incredible. And I was pooped. Woo! I can remember I went and took everything out to the car, you know. Man, I just wanted to get home, and I wanted to take a break, and I forgot something. I went back in, and while I went back in, this guy comes running. He comes running. He said, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you. So glad you have left. Now, young people over here realize this. 31 years ago, if you needed someone, you didn't have something electronic in your back pocket where you could immediately contact them. Life existed before cell phones. I mean, that's a novel idea. But he had been searching, searching around all these places, asking people were beginning to leave. I was the last to leave. And he says, Chris, before you leave, you need to know this. I have two tickets for tomorrow's game. Would you like them? Now, before we'd started the event, Brenna and I had looked each other in the eye and we said, no matter who asks us, no matter what they say, we're not going to do one more thing. You ever been there? You get ready to come to church? I don't care. We're going home. They, we're not going out to eat. Those kids need to get a nap and I need to catch my breath. You've been there, right? We're not going to commit to one more thing. We're tired. We're exhausted. We've said yes too much. We cannot do that. And here's what I learned that day. Today's celebration doesn't guarantee a party tomorrow unless you take someone up on the invitation. So we're going to look at God's Word today, and He's going to remind us of this. He's revealed so much. That's what we're celebrating today. But there's no guarantee of a party tomorrow unless you and I respond to His invitation. Hey, I want to stop and just say thank you. I probably should stay off script. This is the part where I get in trouble. I can't even begin to name all the names. Ten of the best years of our life, God used you to go to places around the world and see God do amazing things. You raised our children. We're grateful. Karis and Micah are here today. I hope you get to see all seven of our children someday. You prayed for us in so many ways. We are thankful beyond measure. God used this season of life to deepen our soul. And we love you. And God used this church to birth the dream of a church in the fifth largest city in America, one of the top 15 most unchurched cities in our, in our United States. And Wellspring Church is alive, and people are coming to faith, and disciples are being made. People are going around the world. Thank you. And many of you went, moved, gave, prayed. You've come. You've encouraged. Thank you. I'll catch up another day, tell you more details. We don't have time for that today. Let's look at God's Word. Let's anticipate what He might speak. And I know this. You came today to hear God speak to you. I hope your heart was moved and you're reminded the great I Am knows who you are and where you are. And no matter what your circumstances of life may be, He is still on the throne and He is moving and he is there for you, with you, and he is calling you to continue to walk with him by faith. Don't forget that. Let's look at Psalm 78. And in honor of God's word, would you stand? Let's read out of Psalm 78. Man, we need to get in the word of God, and we need the word of God to get into us. This living, breathing, alive, powerful word. Let's never take it for granted. Hold it dearly and put it deep, deep within our thoughts and our hearts. 
Father, move our heart's affection to you and our mind's attention to your word. Thank you. Psalm 78. Let's read it. Psalm 78, verse 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we've heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation. We'll tell the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, the wonders He's done. He decreed statues for Jacob. He established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Deuteronomy 6, we've heard that today. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commandments. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of Your Word. Please be seated. The Scripture cries out. Yesterday's revelation led to today's celebration for the nation of Israel and for First McKinney. God opened His mouth. He revealed Himself. He invited these people. And they were telling from generation to generation to generation. They were speaking of the great deeds of God. Man, praise God for the nation of Israel and their faithfulness during that period of time. And praise God for 150 years at First McKinney. Wow. Now, some of you are young enough, if God tarries and Jesus doesn't return and 50 more years come, you might be here at the 200-year celebration. Some of you have already been here half that time. Your gray uh, hair or bald head is uh, worse than mine, and uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Man, God has done great things. I've watched the videos. Man, has he used, um, gosh, Pastor Buckner to be the founding pastor and go around the world for children in need and the least and the lost. And that was part of the missional DNA of this church 150 years ago. And you move from downtown to right here. And the rock was been so many people have come to faith there and continue to come to faith. Some of my children were baptized here as you were, your children were here. God has done great things at First McKinney. Hmm. God is worthy of our praise. And man, what a joy to say he included us. He invited us. What a privilege to get to do that. I want to make a point today, but I want to remind us of something very, very clear. Why God birthed the church and continues to want the church to thrive. God birthed the church for His glory, to bring people to know Him personally, to go and make disciples who would teach and obey His Word among the neighbors, the nations, the next generation, to the ethne of the world. And when that happens, the end will come, and we'll all be around the great banquet table, and man, that's going to be a celebration forever. When every nation, tribe, and tongue gathers, and we're going to just applaud the glory of God, He birthed the church. But let me tell you, when the first time Jesus used that word, for those who are Bible scholars would know, if we were to go to Matthew 16 or one of three places in the gospel, and if you're learning the Word of God, you'd want to go back and read part of this today. Look at the gospels and look at Jesus. And he's calling people to himself, and there's a lot going on at the time. And so in Matthew 16, it records, there's a lot of hubbub on social media. They're sending TikTok photos, everything's going viral, and Jesus says, what's all the chaos going on outside? And those closest to him said, Jesus, they're talking about you. And he says, well, who do they say that I am? What are they talking about? They say that you might be John the Baptist, the resurrected. You may be Elijah that's been rebirthed. You, you may be Jeremiah, any number of prophets. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter, some of you, Peter's your hero. He speaks before he thinks. 
Peter jumps out of the boat without asking any questions. Peter, Peter's standing there, and so when he asks the questions, he looks him right in the eye and says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And I want you to see what Jesus says to him. This is the bedrock of where the church began. In Matthew 16, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Peter, you didn't come up with this on your own. Peter, this is not about you or James, John, your two best buddies. God, God Almighty brought this to you. God revealed by the Father in heaven. I tell you that you are Peter, he changes his name. He brings it and calls him out. He's transformed. On the rock, on this rock, he says, the rock of your faith, the bedrock of what you believe, I will build my church. It's the first time that word is used. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail or come over can come it. See, what God revealed, Peter trusted that day. And he declared it, and today we celebrate 2,000 years later the church. We're part of the church. Now, it's important to know the setting that Jesus said, I'm going to build this. I'm going to build this family, this community, this movement, this organization, this thing that's alive. It's called the church. Here's what. I could go into Jerusalem. That's where the temple is. But no, that's where all the religious people are. I'm not standing in Jerusalem today. I'm standing in Caesarea Philippi. You know, I could go to Capernaum because those people love me. Man, day after day, God allowed me. I was healing. I was listening to the words of the Father. And man, people were healed and they were fed in Capernaum. Man, we're all heroes there. We could probably go to Rome. Because, you know, you need to get to the capital city where all the politics is happening, where all the power is. I could go up there and I could stand. This is what I'm going to do. But he's in Caesarea Philippi. And those of you that have taught this to our children and generations know this. When he is speaking, he points and he says, I want you to look over here real quick. And when you look over here in Caesarea Philippi, there's a series of caves, one of which was really big because they were coming into the temple that was worshiping the former Caesars and their gods and their false gods. And before they would go into these caves to do any number of worshipful acts that included things that we cannot speak candidly about in church because they were buying children women. They were buying boys and girls. And part of their worship of false gods were sexual acts that were so immoral that they would turn your blood and curl. And they would go into these caves and perform all of these things. And Jesus is standing right there with Peter, James, and John and those who loved him most. He says, I'm going to call people to myself. It's going to require faith. And I'm going to birth this faith into them. I'm going to adopt them into my forever family. And let me tell you what is going to happen as you come and be part of this church. See this over here? And the biggest of the caves is called Hades, the gates of hell. And Jesus says, but what I'm building here, what I'm building here among your faith and those out in the crowd who want to know that I'm Christ, the son of the living God, that is not going to prevail. We're going to push back the darkness because you were in that darkness too when I called you out. And you and I here, First McKinney, we're there as well. We were in this darkness We were in bondage to our own sin. We were deceived by any number of things that were taking away from God's beautiful gift that he created us for his glory. We were not living for him. We were living in darkness. And Jesus said this, men, listen up. I'm going to build something. And today, 2,000 years later, in the power of Jesus' name, the church continues. 
The Jews tried to deny it. The Romans tried to kill it. The Greeks tried to reason around it. Wars throughout time the last 2,000 years have tried to divide it. In the last three years, COVID tried to hide it. But here's the reality. Jesus stood on that day. And today, he still stands, and he needs to perhaps do this in your life, and you need to claim the power of Jesus, standing and saying this, I have the power, and you know what? I'm going to go tell Satan, my enemy, you can go back to hell where you belong, because my church will stand. Amen. And so Jesus says to First McKinney and every other church, man, I want you to be so as one before the Father and be used for my glory to make disciples into the nations. Come on, church. I'm going to be faithful. I want to invite you to continue to live in that faithfulness. God's church is a beautiful thing. Celebration today is here because God revealed that yesterday. But celebration today does not guarantee a party tomorrow. And what happened through the years? What happened to the nation of Israel when they couldn't celebrate the goodness of God? What's listed right here in Psalm 78? Pastor Sam referenced this in his message last week. The men of Ephraim, they were armed with battle, and they turned. They were right there on the precipice of God doing amazing things through them, and they turned. Look at Psalm 78. I'm going to point to one verse at the end, but listen. These people, they willfully put God to the test by demanding food that they craved. They spoke against God. They said, God, can you really spread a table in the wilderness? Where's the buffet? Where's the cafe? Where's Panda Express? Man, I got got to order here. Hmm. True, God, you struck the rock. Water came out. Okay, we got water. Streams flowed abundantly. But can God also give us bread? Huh. Can he also supply meat for his people? And when the Lord heard this, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob. His wrath rose against Israel. And then look at verse 22. For they, these people, did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Man, these people's parents believed. These people's grandparents believed. They'd experience the greatness of God and they'd see God do great things. And yet, they did not believe and trust. Woo! How does that happen? How do you get there? How do you get to the place where you no longer have trust or faith or desire to experience the faithfulness of God in the future? Well, along the way, someone drops the ball. The execution of faith stops. God asks you to do something and you say, I don't need to do one more thing. I did that. I did that when I was younger. I did that at camp. Hey, I gave. I did all that back when when I was still working. Hey, I went and and shared the gospel, but you know, I I already did all that. But someone stopped saying yes at the next invitation. Someone stops telling of the greatness of God. They stop saying, we're going to proclaim the good deeds of God that we've experienced. Not what everybody else, what we have. We forget to tell the neighbors, the nations, the next generation the greatness of God and invite him, the people to him. Someone starts looking around at the winds and the waves. It's too hard. It's too difficult. The political scene isn't going to support us. Our culture has changed. It's not easy for the church to exist today. Huh. They get distracted. Someone stops worshiping and starts making excuses. You can either make excuses or you can make progress for the gospel, but you can't make both. 
How does a generation go without faith? They stop listening to the Word of God, the Spirit of God. They stop obeying. They lose focus on Christ. Next thing you know, there's no celebration. You know, memories are wonderful and they're great. They don't guarantee you a ticket to the movement of God tomorrow. So church, some of you that look like me, gotten a bit older in the last 10 to 20 years, we got a lot to celebrate. But God's still inviting us. Our best days are ahead of us. This church's best days. The future's as bright as God. God's called leaders, a pastor that's so passionate, sensitive to the Word of God, the work of God. He's leading. Tomorrow, there'll be an invitation. Will you take it? So your involvement yesterday cannot give you a free pass to tomorrow. You don't get one. It requires responding to the invitation today. Celebration today does not guarantee a party tomorrow. If Peter were standing here after he'd heard Jesus say, upon your faith, Peter, your faith, I'm going to build this church in 2,000 years, it's thriving. Peter, Peter, I'd already called you out by name when your fishing net was filled with fish. I called you, said, come follow me. We're going to be fishers of men. Come follow me. Peter, Peter, yeah, listen up, Peter. You're going to go with me because there's about 5,000 men and a lot of other people that are hungry. Start passing out this small little sack lunch of fish and loaves. Peter, and he saw all these things. Peter, stand here while I heal this person. Help them pick up their mats so they can go walk. Peter, Peter, God revealed so much to him. On that night when the wind and the waves were going ballistic, he hears a voice. Hey, the wind and waves know my name, but Peter, I know your name. Peter! Get out of the boat and trust me. Trust me now. And Peter did. And so Peter was used of God in these amazing moments. He experienced so much of God. Yes, Peter, that was Elijah and Moses. I was standing them and God allowed you to see this. So you tell the next generation that I'm God. And I hold all time and space and I can do everything. Peter, yes. And yet, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, they came and said, Peter, who is this man? I I don't know him. A few hours later, hey, weren't you with those guys in the way, the the movement? We we know you're one of those Christ followers. No, 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 no. I don't know those people. Hey, Peter, didn't we see you holding some of the things Jesus had? No. No, no, I, I, I'm not here. I, I, no. Peter had been revealed so many amazing things. When the time came, he lost his faith. He denied his trust in the Lord three times. Perhaps you're like Peter today, and you're sitting here thinking, oh, gosh, when is the last time I've done anything and stepped in faith with God? When have I ever said, God, you are calling me to do something that just requires trusting you, not myself? Perhaps you're like me. You start trusting yourself, you lose your way. And you need to do what Peter ultimately does, and that's simply to turn to Jesus and say, I admit I failed. I admit I need you. And you say, God, my trust is in you. Help my faith to grow. Peter. Man, throughout history, there are generations that lost their way. The men of Ephraim, Psalm 78. The people who were in the desert. And they'd just been released from Egypt, from all the bondage, working all the time for 300, 400 years, every day. 
They're completely set free, and a few days later, they're worshiping false gods. And God said, here's the consequence of your unbelief. I'm going to let you wander for a generation for 40 years. And a few years after that, man, after the temple was built and amazing things and God guides his people, they bury the word of God. They forget and they stop telling, proclaiming the goodness of God. And the next thing you know, God says, you guys are willful on your own, stubborn. I'm going to let you be taken captive for 70 years in Babylon, two generations or more. It happens. And so today, perhaps God says, look, what I revealed you're celebrating today. Praise God. He did it. He's faithful. But I'm inviting you to tomorrow. I'm inviting you to tomorrow. And are you going to join me? Tomorrow's celebration is possible if you respond to today's invitation. And that's really the point of where we are today. Are you ready to respond to God's invitation to you? So listen very carefully because I only have a few minutes. This is not a message where you say, okay, I'll do better next time. I'll work harder now. No. Just stop and say, you know what? There's so many moments I've not placed faith, trust, and I have learned how to hear the voice of God. I've just said no. Well, God, I'm so tired. I've lost a sense of hope or faith, and God, I, I need help. So don't just try better. Don't just say, well, I'll do better, and it's what I'll do. You heard Cody say a few minutes, it's not about what you do. It's what God's already done. And you simply stop and say, what do I need to do? Here's what you need to do. Take the ticket today. Take the ticket. The ticket that God says, look, I'm going to be faithful. You come join me. We're about to have a party tomorrow, but I want you. I know your name. I want you to come join me. Will you take the ticket and join me tomorrow? Perhaps somebody today has heard through Cody. You know, when I get through puberty, I'm going to have a voice like his. That was pretty amazing, wasn't it? My gosh, well, I hope when I get to heaven, someday I'll actually have a voice that sounds like an adult male. It's incredible. <laughs> but perhaps today you'd say, I, I resonate with this. I'm so unsatisfied with all that life would give. Perhaps the Savior is who will satisfy. And you've heard Jesus say, come to me. Let me remind you, take the ticket today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Today. Some of you perhaps need to join a local church. Why not First McKinney? Why would you not come? For people who said, we want to take the gospel to the nations, to make disciples in your family, of you, to be used of God to do great things. Why not join today? You need to stop dating, and you need to get committed and join the church. I can say that because I'm leaving tonight. <laughs> Man, this church is going to love you beyond measure if you come be part of it. And you're going to hear constantly God is faithful. God is great. God is good. Come with us and let's take this to the nations. Perhaps today you need to be reminded when you were baptized, God saved you from the darkness of your sin and the cesspool of the gates of God saved you. And when you walk through those baptismal waters where it was here, another place, God says, hey, here's your passport because you're on mission the rest of your life. I didn't save you to sit. I saved you to send you to the nations. Today, take your ticket today. Here's the second thing, walk in faith. You've got to learn to walk in faith. Without faith, it's impossible. Please, God. But I would tell you this. There are times in our life where we get tired. There are times we feel alone, and I can testify to that. If we had a long time, I would take a long time, but here's the brief version. The last nine years, as God called us, and you sent us, thank you, to go to Arizona. We reached a point where I got burned out. 
I got tired. I got fatigued. You know, I called a few of my mentors, and the first one answered the phone. He says, have you lost your mind yet? And I said, maybe I have. Adopting children, going back to seminary when you're 50, not when you're 30, planting a church from scratch in your home, I lost my mind. And there were days that I would preach and I would go and say, I'm not sure I believe what I just said. And that is a horrible place to be. And I had to be like Peter and say, Lord, forgive me. God, I need to step into faith because I have seen your faithfulness. I know your power, God. Man, help me. And you know what? He's faithful. He spoke, and he spoke into my heart. And as I listened, the voice got louder, and I realized God was doing great things. He was simply inviting me, will you come take the ticket? Because tomorrow there's going to be a celebration, and I want you in the game. Perhaps that's you today. Perhaps you'd say, oh, mm. I want to be part of that. You know, if Dr. Seuss was writing this message, some of you are teachers. You use these books all the time. You notice all these words that have some beautiful alliteration. Dr. Seuss would say this. From generation to generation, yesterday's revelation led to today's wild celebration. Yet tomorrow will require further exploration. Will you respond to the invitation? to impact the next generation, taking the gospel to every nation. Now that's quite a declaration that needs no further explanation. You know, 31 years ago, I said yes to those two tickets. <laughs> time I got home, I'd already thought, how am I going to explain this to my wife? Hmm. But this is the Super Bowl, the most watched event in the world, millions of people. It's in our town. It's amazing. She didn't really want to go. She was just happy to be home with the kids. And on the way out the door to pick up a friend, she goes, who the world, you know, who's playing, by the way? It was Super Bowl 30, January 1996, and the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. My dear friend Derek Root over here is pumping his fist. But on that day, even though Pittsburgh Steelers fans were cheering, the Dallas Cowboys won the game at Sun Devil Stadium. That was 31 years ago. How about them boys lately? There's a sermon point somewhere. Today's celebration doesn't guarantee tomorrow, does it? Wow. Wow. Unless you take the invitation. It's going to require trust. It's going to require stepping day by day in faith. That's our journey. Isn't it an irony? People who walk in faith, who've seen God do amazing things, we can just step out and stop believing. Don't do that today. Take the ticket. Get in the game. And enjoy the celebration. Let me pray with you today. Father, thank you. Thank you. You've given us another day to live and to proclaim your name. If you don't return today, Lord, may we proclaim Jesus to our children, to the next generation, to our neighbors, Lord, to those around who are younger and those that are being formed now in a mother's womb. Thank you, God, for every life that you birth, and you're the author of life. And so I pray, Father, that all of us would get in the game. Perhaps you are praying and you need to say, yes, Jesus. It's the first time you've said yes to him. And by his call on your life, you're saying yes to salvation. 
In a minute, you're going to be invited, and I simply want you to respond just as you are right now. Yes, Jesus, I need you. I can't work to earn this. I'm receiving it. And just say, thank you for your grace. Some gracious, wonderful man or woman will point you through the scriptures and remind you, Jesus has called you to this place, and his grace is what saved you. Say yes to Jesus today. And perhaps you're a believer, you've been here a long time, and God's stirring. It's just a gentle stir. There were times your heart would beat out of your chest. Today it's very gentle. Perhaps would you trust him again to say, God, use me. I'm ready, God. Whatever you ask, the answer's already yes. I'm going to put that on the table before you ask any more questions. Put your yes out there. Tomorrow is going to be an incredible celebration with God if he doesn't return. And he wants you and I to be part of it. Would you say yes and take the ticket today? Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'd minister to every need in this room and you would call people to hear you and respond to you, God, for your glory, for the greatness of your name, and for the church to exist. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.